The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We are going to talk about the Brewers' epic win tonight. And if that is the momentum that turns this thing around, we will talk about Aaron Rodgers chastising the young receivers, why that isn't a big deal. And lastly, as part of Chuck's Corner slash Sports Media, we'll talk about WSSP, the fan, no longer being in the market. Very sad day for local radio. Uh, make sure that you're following along on social media, uh, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on TikTok, as well as Instagram and Facebook for that matter. Uh, we were all over tonight's game. Uh, I was locked in. Uh, it's that time of year right now for Brewer Baseball. So living and breathing on every pitch. Good time to follow along. Yes, I do tweet a lot. I try to uh, rein it in. But every now and again, it doesn't get good. Uh, also, too, you can subscribe to our podcast, whether it's on Apple or Spotify. Tevin Keg Sports there uh, as well. Uh, make sure you rate, review, subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, share with friends. I understand that, that we are still in the grieving process. I 100% get that. Uh, but at the same time, I do want to let people know that this is a place for Wisconsin sports. This is a place where you guys can get the Packers, you can get the Brewers, you can get the Bucks, get the Badgers, mostly football, occasionally basketball, and Marquette basketball as well. And, and I don't think there's a lot of us that do it this way. And I know that might be cocky, that might be arrogant, but I just want to know that this is an outlet. So if you have a friend or you have a relative or you're, you know, whatever, that's like a coworker, right? Like you're like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have a fan to listen to. Do you have anything you know? Tell them about what we got here. All right. I think they'd like it. Um, I think that it's different every day. And I mean that in a, the best way possible. I don't think it is the same podcast. I would love to do a little more with it, and I think that we will do more with it. But, you know, there's just so many hours in a day, right? Like, it's almost 12.30, and I'm taping a podcast. And I have a ton of energy. I feel great. Like, but I'm not going to get to bed until 1.30. That's not great for the day job. But I still do it because I care about you guys. And because I know there are so many people looking for a morning option now, I will try really, really hard here to get out podcasts before the morning commute. Um, so that is an ode to you, promise to you. Um, so yes, let's talk about the Brewers win. Uh, and then we'll talk about the fan way later here in the show. But yes, let's talk about the Brewers. And if you're new to the program, welcome. Uh, we're happy to have you. Um, we will not have a random just for shutting it down we would have a full like process we talk all about it so don't worry you don't have to worry about that with us the molly brewers tonight i felt like saved their season i know that sounds dramatic i know that sounds like charlie you're overreacting to one game but the fact of the matter is is that the brewers kind of looked dead a little bit right you lost three out of four you had a hapless game against the dodgers on monday night we didn't talk about it because we had taped right before the game started. And I think I said in the in the podcast yesterday, I was like, just don't be an asshole, right? Like just play good baseball. If you lose like three to two, two to one, whatever, four to, five to four, um, which they won by, it's like, okay, whatever. You fought, you, you fought, you put up a fight. I didn't feel like the Brewers had any fight in their eyes last night. And I think back to the replacements, which is one of my favorite rewatchable sports movies. Like anytime replacements on, I'm I'm watching at least 30 minutes. And when Shane Falco is on his boat and Jimmy McGinty at halftime, they're like, Coach, what what's missing? What's going wrong here in the Dallas game? We lack heart. We need heart. And he taps his chest. 
that's kind of what I felt was missing from the Brewers. Not necessarily heart, but like just to give a shit, right? Just that attitude of like, we can do this. Now, they've won three games in extra innings. The last three wins for the Brewers have all come in extra innings. And maybe there's something to that. Maybe it just focuses them a little bit more. They need to start treating, you know, the rest of the game like it's an extra innings. And I think the Brewers really should propel from here. And this should carry the team. Do I expect them to win both games against the Dodgers on Wednesday and Thursday night? No. The Dodgers have only lost back-to-back games in like since June 1st on July 25th and July 26th. It doesn't happen often for this Dodgers team. That said, the Brewers have looked pretty good pitching-wise against the Dodgers. Like they they can fight with the Dodgers. Like I'm not saying that they are as good as the Dodgers. I don't think any team is as good as the Dodgers. But the Brewers can scrap. The Brewers can at least keep them their heads above water. And if they could be a little more productive on offense and not so much boom bust, they'd have a real chance. You would love to win today because then tomorrow to me is house money. You have Cornburns on the mound, which is great. You're facing a lefty, which isn't so great. But you at least get two wins against the Dodgers. And you d- did your job. You went at least 500. Now, if you get three somehow, that would be incredible. And that carries you, hopefully, to playing the Chicago Cubs, who I, I think have played decent baseball. They've given the Brewers some challenges this year. But you take care of business against Chicago. And you build that momentum again for another three against the Dodgers, who now you've already beat three times. And you have maybe a little bit more confidence than you did last time. Sometimes it's all about confidence. Sometimes it's all about seeing the ball go in the hole. And I know that's a golf reference and we're talking baseball, but it's true. Or seeing a ball go through to the center field. You need to see that sometimes. And I think that was part of tonight. Like I think the fact that the Brewers manufactured two runs in the the 11th inning was so massive. They didn't do it with home runs, right? They did it with a bump by Hunter Renfro, which I could go 100 ways on a Hunter Renfro bump. Like he did it himself. It wasn't Craig Council. Hunter Renfro called it for himself. He made the decision to bunt that baseball. Now you hate taking a bat out of the guy who could easily win the game with his bat. But Hunter Renfro thought it was needed. Hunter Renfro had a bad night. He was 0 for 4, right? He wanted to do something to help his team. And he knew Colton Wong could get the ball in the air. Now Colton Wong would strike out against Kimbrell. But still, the intention was there. And he got on base. And because he got on base, Hunter Renfro was able to score. And that was huge. And he had a great read on that. He total gamble by him, which you could say, well, if Betts lays out and catches that ball, Renfro's out, the Brewers lose the game. Actually, I, I don't know. I think McCutcheon was waiting to tag. So I think they would have actually had Betts laid out or something like that. I think maybe McCutcheon scores and maybe we're playing 12 innings and who knows, right? But it doesn't matter because Victor Carantini drove him in. Another major moment from Victor Carantini. It's been really weird to watch how good of a year Carantini has had. Remember, he was just a basically a nothing pickup for the Brewers at the start of the season as they realized they needed a backup catcher. After Severino had the PED suspension, they pick up Carantini, and he's been great. And to me, he's the starting catcher of this team. I like Omar Nervais. I think Omar Nervais is a little better defensively, 
but I think Victor Carantini is that guy. And it's a weird, it's kind of similar to, do you remember when Eric Thames had his really good year? I don't think he was an all-star, but he had a really solid year for the Brewers. And then next year, Jesus Aguilar came through with an all-star year and Jesus took over Eric Thames' role at first base. This was before the DH, which is, that's a really interesting, like, what if. Like, the Brewers probably still have Jesus Aguilar on this team. Maybe not Roddy Telez had, they had a DH all this time. But they didn't, so they had to get rid of, they had to get rid of Zeus. And they got rid of him for, oh, I forget who they got. Oh, Jacob Faria, that's right, he was bad. Uh, it was a guy who they kind of took a chance on and didn't work out for them in the slightest. But yes, uh, it's kind of similar to that, right? Where Carantini is now the guy. And Carantini has been great, and there's been multiple moments of this now. He had the 4th of July walk-off. He now has this one. Two walk-offs under his belt for the year. And he's just come up with major moments, and he's been a consistent force for the Milwaukee Brewers offensively in the lower part of the lineup. And that's something they desperately need, especially when you really haven't got a ton out of Tyrone Taylor. I can't believe that Craig Council hasn't put more of Keston here in there. I realize that Keston Hero doesn't have a natural position. I realize the Brewers do not have a center fielder other than Tyrone Taylor. So it's not like you can say, all right, we're going to push McCutcheon to center. He, I don't think, wants to play there. I think it's somewhat roster construction. And unfortunately, they don't have a role for Keston Hero right now. He is a square peg in a round hole. And that's unfortunate because he's had some really productive at-bats in the last few, few weeks. But moving back to the game itself, Chris Taylor's catch was maybe the worst thing that's happened to me in a long time as a sports fan. I'm not going to lie to you. Again, a lot of dramatics, a lot of theatrics here, but seriously, like Chris Taylor was the same guy who caught the ball in game seven of the NLCS and made an absolutely amazing catch that completely shifted the momentum of that game. And if Chris Taylor doesn't catch the ball, I pretty sure the Brewers are in the World Series. Now they played, they would have played the Astros, they probably would have lost, but regardless, you'd have that 2018 World Series team. You don't have that uh, because Chris Taylor made that catch. So to have something that was so similar, rob a game from the Brewers where they desperately needed the win, the Cardinals had already won, the Padres had lost, so it was a, a perfect opportunity to gain a game on the San Diego Padres and keep two back from the St. Louis Cardinals who play a much easier schedule during this time period than the Milwaukee Brewers. And Taylor made that catch. Honestly, it's probably right there. It's, It's not on the same level, right? But the last time I felt that like stomach out of my asshole was the block punt in the Packer Niner game. Like that's, that's a similar, similar feeling, right? Like, because these games matter. Like I said it in the review, like the playoffs started tonight. And I I truly mean that. Like, I think tonight was the kickoff of the playoffs. At some point when you're in wild card races, division races, you know when the playoffs begin. You feel it in your bones. And tonight was one of those nights. Like I stood up on my couch, right? I stood up off my couch, which is what I do for like Bucks playoff games. Packer regular season games, uh, close ones, and at some point, you know, during the regular season, and it, it usually comes at the end of the year. I remember there were a couple Bucks games, that epic uh, Philadelphia game. That was one where I was standing, or that Brooklyn game where I was like, 
there are certain ones in the regular season where it's just too good and you can't necessarily just be like, all right, we're, we're not going to be tense about this. We have to be tense. And so I was standing and woke up my wife. Um, once we had the house, I like, this will not be a problem, which is good. But yeah, I, which is not something new. I've done that before. And so this is, to me, this was the start of playoffs. And so now every game should be treated that way. And maybe this is what the Brewers needed. Maybe this was the momentum to finally sort of break through in the month of August. I mean, they're still five and eight, I think in the month of August or five or five and nine can't remember but still like this could be a monumental thing that we look back on and we say that was when the brewers turned it on and all of a sudden everything sort of made sense a couple other notes from the game uh before we move on to aaron Rodgers being mad at his receivers Uh, way too much boom bust i know i mentioned it but like you had three hits on three home runs just kind of crazy right um uh, no, I think it was three hits on two home runs uh, for the Brewers, it, which, like, all right, cool. Willie Adamas had a hit home run early. Christian Yelich's home run was massive, 450 feet for Yelich. We haven't seen that, I mean, since 2019. I'm not going to get excited about it. I'm going to appreciate it. I I want Christian Yelich to get on a hot streak, and I want to rub it directly in Dan Needles' face, who I just – I don't understand Dan Needles. Like, Dan Needles was – ultimate professional all this stuff like one of the revered people in local tv media and now he's just become an all-out yellow chater like he he just i i don't get it. i don't get it i, I really don't i mean that's kind of who dan's personality was on the radio years ago i used to listen to the d-list uh with drew and dan and they they kind of do d-list stuff now uh with drew on 95 97 the game but like come on man like i mentioned this before like it's just so obnoxious uh so i want to rub that in his face but i will relax but yeah brewers need to have more singles a couple more doubles triple maybe who knows like home runs are nice but let's let's get on base a little bit more i thought brandon woodruff pitched really well um i know he gave it the two home runs uh to gallo and bats but still good stuff from woody um pitched really well eight strikeouts um Dodgers made him work I think that's just who the Dodgers are but that was the kind of performance you needed you needed a guy to sort of be like here I am let me put you on my back um so it's too bad he gave up those home runs seemingly a problem feels like for Woody later in the later in the game he seems to give up runs I don't know how to fix that like I don't know if it's something where he just takes a little bit off but yeah, I think the Brewers need to be cognizant of it. But at the same time, I don't think it's something you can just say, all right, we're going to pull Woody after 85 pitches. Like the guy, the guy has done so much for your team that you need to trust him. You need to trust your guy. And so it's more on Chris Hook and the Brewers pitching staff to figure out, pit, coaching staff that is, to figure out like how do you kind of adjust? What, what adjustments are needed you know, from 80 to 100 pitches? As for success, I think it's just get one more game. I think today would be great, um, as mentioned earlier, um, and then you're in house money. Um, And if you're able to not get today and it's tomorrow, fine. But yeah, I I think that's really really how you define success. And then having a very good series against the Chicago Cubs um, is the next step forward. Because no matter what the Brewers do here against the Dodgers, it doesn't mean shit if they go and stub their toe against the Dodgers. 
Or, I'm sorry, against the Cubs. It doesn't mean shit if the Brewers stub their toe against the Cubs. Like, if they win three against the Dodgers, but then they lose two or three to the Cubs, it's absolutely meaningless. What we really need right now is a 7-9 streak, a 8-10, of 10, um, and something along those lines. I'm not saying you need to win 12 straight games like the fucking Mariners or something like that. But uh, you need to see, like, a few more wins and just start sort of feeling good about Brewer baseball. And there have been moments you've seen the potential breakthroughs, whether it was the Adamas walk-off, whether it was the Renfro walk-off, well, not walk-off, the triple, and now the Carantini walk-off. The next game has not been kind to the Brewers. Miles Michaelis pretty much shut them down the next day. Jordan Montgomery shut them down the next day. You got to make sure that Tony Goslin does not shut you down today. And you can build off of that walk-off. We'll see. Um, and I'll be there live uh, from AmFam Field tonight. Really good seats. Like, I think I'm like eight rows up. So it should be fun. Can't wait for that. Let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are in the throes of training camp. They had their first joint practice with the New Orleans Saints yesterday. Uh, the Saints are in town, obviously, for the preseason matchup on Friday night. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers lost his patience with the rookies. Now, Aaron Rodgers had told Pat McAfee that it was going to be a process, that there were going to be good days and there were going to be bad days. And this was a bad day, and Aaron Rodgers lit into his wide, young wide receivers. Now, I know some people would say that that's Rodgers being a malcontent. That's Rodgers, you know, kind of doing his thing. But those are really more of the haters. You know, we talked about the overanalyzing yesterday. That's overanalyzing Aaron Rodgers. Because anyone you talk to, Aaron Rodgers is a hell of a teammate. And so here are some of the comments they made about the wide receivers. I thought it was a good lead by Rob Domofsky about the expiration date for Aaron Rodgers' patience with the young wide receivers was August 16th. So Rodgers said this, the young guys, especially the young receivers, we've got to be way more consistent, Rodgers said. A lot of drops, a lot of bad route decisions, running the wrong route, we have to be better in that area. Pretty intense, right? Like that's not mincing words. That's Aaron Rodgers being honest and upfront and letting these guys know that they had a shitty day of practice. And some could say, well, that's harsh, but that's what a leader does, all right? Aaron Rodgers has been doing this for a long time. Aaron Rodgers did this in 2016 with the receivers that they had. He did it with Devontae Adams. He did it with other guys that have come out for the Packers. Like this is not just, you know, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson and Amari Rodgers. Like that's not who Rodgers is targeting. Rodgers wants everybody to be great. Rodgers knows that this is a Super Bowl team. And so when you have bad practices against a live action, that's going to obviously raise some eyebrows. And Aaron Rodgers wants success every time out on that football field. And that's the level that he, he expects. And so to me, what that was was Rodgers really being like, get in your playbooks, understand what you have to do. You know, do not make simple errors. Don't be nervous, basically. Now, I know someone could say, well, how are these, these guys are going to be thinking about those comments? Well, maybe. But if you're a professional, go to fucking work. Work with more Rodgers. Understand how Rodgers is throwing you the ball. Yeah, to me, like, this is not necessarily 
some sort of like Rodgers is going to freeze these guys out. I, I don't see that at all. Rather, I see Aaron Rodgers wants to be great week one. And he wants to make sure that it is buttoned up. And right now he feels like it is me, 11, 8, 11 p.m. at Merce Bachelor Party on Saturday night. Which if you've seen that picture, I have pretty much all of my buttons down. And if you want to see that picture, uh, we'll, we'll figure something out. Should figure out like a rating and review thing um, to see that picture. Like if there is actual interest, um, let me know. We can do something fun. Whether it's 300 and some followers on Instagram or 500 on TikTok. Maybe if we get to 500 on TikTok before football season starts, that could be, that could be the reward, right? Uh, because it, it's a great picture. It's an all-timer, in my opinion. But anyways, uh, yeah, the Packers just need to be looking like they're wearing a suit, feeling fresh, uh, you know, buttoned up. And that's not what they are right now. And, and that's that's okay, right? We're in the middle of training camp. It's It takes some time. These guys have played one game. Christian Watson has not played a single game. It's not, it's not just going to be solved overnight. But I think what Rodgers' frustration was is he saw some of the mistakes being made on Friday and they are carrying over. And Rodgers wants to nip that in the bud. That makes a lot of sense to me. And Rodgers, you know, also kind of defined a packing order with Lazard, Cobb, and Watkins over Dobbs, Mari Rodgers, and Christian Watson. That is totally fine for right now. For August 16th or now 17th, that's absolutely fine that is Aaron Rodgers' packing order. And that makes a ton of sense. I saw Tyler Dunn, who is top-tier Roger hater. I like Tyler Dunn a lot. I've, I say this all the time about Tyler Dunn. Like, Tyler Dunn, I would have on this podcast. I would love to talk to him about his fascination and almost his cheerleading of love. I think he'd push back on that commentary. But, like, where it's there compared to, like, his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. Because Dunn wrote some pretty aggressive things about Aaron Rodgers. And some probably were true. Some probably were a little bit of a stretch. Um, I, I find it interesting that Dunn's been doing his own thing for since since that time period. Um, and that and who knows, right? Did that propel it? Did it not? I don't know. Um, I, again, that to me is always... I always carry his Rodgers critiques with a grain of salt. And then he mentioned like he's blocking Amari Rogers. And it's like, well, dude, it's August 16th, 17th, right? Like, we don't know what this is gonna look like in the start of October. Like we would pull up that tweet and for the Patriots Packers week, and Amari Rogers could be getting 50% of the snaps and overtaking his role from Randall Cobb. I agree that Randall Cobb gets a little more love from Aaron Rodgers than probably he would anywhere else. Okay? We'll talk about it a little bit with Mitch. But at the same point, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to start with your veterans and go from there and make adjustments. Romeo Dobbs is not going to get frozen out. If you're worried about that, you're you're paying way too much attention to it. Rodgers is just trying to make sure that these guys are ready to go. And he also could be frustrated. Just another food for thought, a little bit adjacent to this, that he might have to play preseason. And I think that pisses him off, right? He might look at this and say, all right, if this is how it's going to be, like we need to be out there on the actual field for the last game of the year. 
our last preseason game of the year, and I might need to play it play a quarter, which would be the first time in a long time for Aaron Rodgers in preseason. But that might be the case, and I think Aaron Rodgers would like to avoid that. But if Rodgers doesn't feel comfortable, I think you'll see him out there, and it'll be quite the discussion between him and Matt Lafleur, which I'm sure it's been ongoing, right? Well, Lafleur mentioned that these games would decide sort of rot or these joint practices, excuse me, not games, would decide Rogers' fate when, when it came to preseason playing. I have no problem right with Rogers not playing, let me let me be clear. And if the receivers still kind of struggle, that's fine. I think that they leveled up in terms of the playbook and the guys that aren't there just yet. So hopefully they are. Hopefully they have a better day today. Um, I'm sure it will be a topic of conversation for Rogers as it goes on this week as well as next week but I don't have any like I'm not feeling bad about this at all I'm not feeling like this is a big deal I hope that you know everybody handles it rationally but it never does with the Packers right it's always like this bigger deal than it needs to be um, and it's just frustrating to say the least Packers defense looked really well against the Saints offense um, that was another note from today's joint practices I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. I don't think anyone looks at that and says, oh, the Packers, you know, dominate this great Saints Saints offense. I know Saints fans think they're gonna be a lot better than they were, than they than they are projected to be. You know, everyone's kind of right around a you know five hundred team for the Saints, but at the same time, I, I still think that that's that's good it's a good step forward. It's a good step forward for them. I think the other I think another thing that's nice is that Rashawn Gary didn't get hurt. Um, Rashawn Gary uh, had an injury during uh, team, but it, it was really not too much to deal with, which was great. And then uh, lastly, Do- Dominique Daphne uh, got released. He's kind of a tapping the keg guy. Uh, Murph and I have really liked Daphne throughout the years. Um, I, it was just one of those things where they obviously see too much of a similarity between him and Josiah Deguerra. He also doesn't play a lot of special teams. If you listen to Rich Basaccia on part of my take, which I recommend, Basaccia was pretty pretty hard about like we need players and like that's how we improve special teams. And if Basaccia doesn't think they have the horses, then those guys are gonna get cut, especially at the you know lower tier. And that's what happened with Dominique Daphne. I think he'll hop on somewhere else. I don't know if he's going to have the same success, but still, I, I I imagine there's a role for Dominique Daphne in the NFL. I'm curious what this will do for Tyler Davis. Um, Tyler Davis kind of, I feel like, is in that category of definitely on the fence. And do do the Packers need to keep four tight ends? That's that's the real question. I think also it'll probably be you know impacted by what does Robert Tunyon's injury look like? If Robert Tunyon's ready to go week one, I know Rogers mentioned Bobby a little bit today. Like, if he's ready to go week one, that, to me, impacts what we see from Tyler Davis. But I don't know. I mean, Tyler Davis did did see a few snaps here and there, even with uh, Robert Tunyon on the field. So we'll see what happens when it comes to the Packers and Saints joint practice number two. Trevor Penning didn't try to fight anybody. That was good. Uh, so hopefully that happens today. There, was, there were fights. To, or, <laughs> I, I don't want that to happen. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen today. I don't need some big brute punch in one of our defensive linemen. All right, let's move on and finish up talking about WSSP, the fan. I have a long relationship with the fan. 
Uh, it's been a place that I know in a lot of different ways. Uh, Mitch, my co-host for Tapping the Keg Podcast, uh, did some some part-time stuff with them. Um, let me say it clearly uh, before we get going. Like None of the things I say here are anything representative of Mitch. This is my own personal opinion. Uh, so I just want to get that out there and in the open. So this is, none of this is me parroting stuff that I've talked to Mitch about. It it's was a it was a place that I felt comfortable listening to sports radio after a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, I remember Ryan Braun Day uh, with Mike Wickett and Doug Russell celebrating the fact that Ryan Braun was getting called up for the Brewers and wishing everybody a happy Ryan Braun Day. I remember listening to the baseball postgame shows with Tim and Sparky and the optimist Tim and the negative with Sparky and the pessimist there. I remember uh, taking calls when CC Sabathia got traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I, I rem- Those are moments I remember with sports radio. I was a lot closer with sports radio back in 2008 to about, I would say 2015, 2016. Uh, I I really I really was ingratiated with it because I was I was driving a lot and so I was listening to a lot of it. I was working for iHeart at the time, which they weren't the game at that point. They were the big nine two nine two zero nine twenty, and and I regret you know not necessarily throwing my hat in the ring and telling them, hey, look, I have a podcast. I do this. You know, I'm working in promotions. I would work for free just to like get myself understanding. Like I could help you guys out with social media. Do you guys use Twitter? Like you always have those moments in life, right? Um, And who knows if I had done that, maybe I excel, maybe I start working, you know, full time at 920 and I have my own radio show, right? Like one of the person I work in promotions, she's one of the co-hosts of the morning show for FM 106 which was always her dreams. And it's, I, and I always find it so fucking cool that she got to live that out. And, I, and a little bit of jealousy, but not like in the F that person or anything like that. It's more like the, oh my God, that's awesome that you saw this out. Uh, so who knows? But I didn't. And during that time, bringing it back to WSSP, I was taping with Mitch in the WSSP studios. We used to do having the keg in the WSSP studios every week. Uh, we would find time to meet. Uh, we'd go there and we'd tape the podcast. It's before Zoom. Spike was Skype was around, but it just sounded so much better. And I'll be honest, like Mitch and I together was so good. And like we've gotten good now with Zoom because we've done this now for a long time. And him and I are comfortable together and we know how to kind of A, push each other's buttons and do all the things. But you listen back to some of those old podcasts. Mitch has drops in there. He used to have this huge library of drops. And so like, and that's when drops were popular in in radio. Um, And so I always felt like I was a kindred spirit to, to that radio station. I didn't really know any of the guys that well. Um, I had a few conversations with Tim Allen few conversations with Robbie Mackloff here and there. But I, I never really felt like I was, you know, part of it. And that was okay. Um, and that was fine. And it was always, to me, a ra- the radio station of the common sports fan. And I feel like that's kind of being lost here. I think that 
it's not necessarily going to be that case. And I don't know, the game has a little bit of that, but you have established people there. You have Steve Zavin, you have Drew Olson, you have, I think Wayne Larravee does a show in the middle of the day, um, but, or Ted, maybe Wayne or Ted, whatever, it doesn't matter. You have guys who aren't necessarily everyday Joes. And Bart Winkler, while I have, there are days where I really disagree with Bart, Bart's just a millennial sports fan, right? That's all Bart is. And he's maybe a little more than that, but like, you get my point, right? Sparky, who basically is the mediator between Leroy Butler and, and Gary Ellerson, is this this old radio guy who's done it for a long time. And when Rami was doing a show now in Sacramento, Rami was the afternoon guy for them. And I think like there, that part is missing. And that part might not be able to get back. And I wondered when all three sports stations were out there and it kind of became Radio Wars. It's good karma. It was iHeart and now Audacity, which was the parent brand to WSSP. I felt like someone was going to lose that. Now, I wrote an article about that it was going to be on FM forever and it was going to stay on FM. I did, I think, also write a podcast or do something like a podcast where I talked about there was going to be a loser, that there's no way that this is sustainable. And the reason why it wasn't sustainable was the ousting of Tom Parker, the sports director at WSSP. When Mitch Rosen took over, uh, 670 to score uh, is his main station. And so Mitch is a Chicago guy. And while I think Mitch cares, I don't necessarily know how hard he fought and how he you know, made sure that they were doing different things. I feel like going live to Canton for Leroy Butler's Hall of Fame induction was the most like activation I had seen WSSP do in a long time. WSSP wasn't necessarily on the road. They weren't necessarily doing things that would make drive more fan engagement and drive more attention or force people to listen because they had the rights to the Milwaukee Panthers, let's just say, okay? They never really were a big enough player. They didn't have routine, you know, maybe like an interview with Craig Council every week or something like that. They didn't have that that stuff. And part of that, I feel like, was on Mitch because he wasn't here. He wasn't focused on this. And at that same time, as he was kind of just, you know, going through the motions and sort of staying, you know, at sea level, you had the game come through and buy the Packer rights from TMJ. And they're now the host of the Packers, which is a massive coup for them. And we'll see how that works. You had... You know, good karma, take over 94.5 WKTI, make that a sports station, have sports on both channels as well as TMJ, kind of building this hegemony, if you will, of not only news, but also sports. And you have obviously Marquette. You're going to still be a known name for the Green Bay Packers with Mark Tauscher, with Jason Wilde. I think they're, they also have Brett Favre, um, which... It's a little interesting now considering that Favre's kind of going through the lawsuit in Mississippi, didn't show up for Lori Butler's Hall of Fame thing, really kind of weird. But still, like, Favre's a big name and he's going to bring people in. 
And so even though the game has the have the Packers, I still think you go to you know you go to Good Karma KTI to listen to their Packer coverage because I think it's just better. And Homer, who's been there forever, and I know there's a lot of controversy around Homer, and we don't need to get into that. He's still a common fan. He's just an old common fan, right? Like he's been a media guy forever. But he doesn't really give off the vibe of an established media member. Like, he doesn't give off the same vibe as Drew Olson. I think he's a little older. He he gives off the vibe of a fan. And it's great. And he does a good job with it, I think. At least I think. I know a lot of opinions say differently. But yeah, they never figured out, going back to WSSP, they never figured out how to, how to sort of do it after Bill Michaels. Like, Bill Michaels left and good riddance, right? Bill... Wall has a major show and a major following, and but he just brings a lot of baggage. He thinks his shit doesn't stink. He he is really an asshole, and a guy who I don't think relates anymore to the common sports fan. I think he relates to the lowest common denominator, and he's part of a radio industry of the '90s and and 2000s. I remember I sat in on Bill's show uh, years ago and made just such, he made such an inappropriate comment about Michelle Beadle. Um, can't, I don't know it like as of, but it was just, it was watching the ESPYs. It was one of the slowest days in sports. Bill was grinding, which I appreciated, but you know, that, that was who he was. And look, whatever, it's not, I'm not trying to cancel him or anything. I'm just saying like, that's, that's the era that Bill Michaels was about, and he never really evolved from that. So, but but also at the same token, like WSSP never found their next Bill Michaels. And while Gary Sparky and Leroy, I think, did a good job of that midday shit, they didn't necessarily take it to that Bill Michaels level. And I don't know if that's the fault of Mitch Rosen. I don't know if that's the fault of the guys doing it, or or something else. But it's a sad day, and a lot of people are upset. And I hope that they find something different, um, whether it's listening to the game, whether it's listening to Good Karma, whether it's listening to us or any of the other things. Like this is a very good time to get in the podcast if you're a Wisconsin sports fan. And there's a lot of them available, right? I'm not the only one. I'm one of the few that talks about all the sports and we, we mentioned that at the beginning, gave you my pitch. But yeah, I, I, rest in peace to WSSP. Um, it was fun. To I always have the I yeah, taped that studio, and I do think sports. There can be a third sports station in Milwaukee. I, I I do. I just think you have to do it differently. You have to do something different. And I think if that third sports station was a little more was a little younger, whether it was a blend of Gen X as well as Millennials, maybe even a Gen Zer thrown in there. And you're doing things like you're broadcasting on Twitch and you're going live at the end of games, you know, to talk about that. Or you're, you know, you're doing TikToks, you know, to talk about different things to promote your station or clipping things like that's the type of stuff that's going to make you win. That's the type of stuff that good karma and the game and everything like that, iHeart are not doing right. Like they aren't doing that. And so I still think there is an area opportunity there. This is a question of who grabs it by the balls. And maybe it should be us. I don't know. Uh, We'll see. 
But anyways, that does it for today's show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, it's gonna be probably tough to get out of the morning show. I'll be. I'll just shoot you straight. Um, we. I'm gonna be at the Burger game. I will try my best um, to get you guys a morning show, uh, though on Thursday. So you have that for your drive. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Like I said, uh, make sure that you're rating, reviewing, also subscribe. We appreciate that. Apple, Spotify, anywhere else you want your podcast. Tabby the Sports. Tabby the Sports as well for TikTok as well as Instagram. And Tabby the Keg for Twitter. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good Wednesday. Back tomorrow. See you. Bye.